Welcome, epic film fans, to a brand new mini-sode review on the Epic Film Guys podcast. Wait, did I get that right? Hold on. Wait a minute. We have a guest today, the self-proclaimed horror guy. So I don't think we can call ourselves Epic Film Guys today. It's got to be Epic Horror Guys or Epic Horror Dudes or horror has to be in there somewhere. But ladies and gentlemen... Gerald has returned from two peas. Give him some applause, Lysos. I'll drop in the sound clip here. There you go. There it <laughs> Perfect. is. Okay. That works. There we go. That works. It's been a long time, man. You haven't been on the show in a long time, so yeah. we had to have you on. Yeah, what's up, fellas? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm so happy to be here. Whenever I get together with you guys, it's, it's a good time. And few things are as scary as this movie that we're going to be talking about here in a minute. And when I say scary, I mean probably my reaction, perhaps y'all's reaction to it as well. It's going to be a little frightening, but uh, scary for the wrong reasons. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah. But thanks for having People me. Have yeah. not, yeah, they've not been kind. And of course, it's always great to have you on the show. I don't think we've had a third voice on here in a long time other than well actually i always forget things never mind (laughs) we've had people on recently i don't even know where my mind's at right now i think it's just because i watched this movie Mm. the conjuring three and i think it made me dumber (laughs) i lost some brain cells during the process so makes sense that's what we're doing now we are going to be reviewing this film so thank you to mr self-proclaimed horror guy for being here with us tonight boy sauce I'm going to make you do this on the spot. If you're the devil and you're going to make me do it. Doesn't know what this movie is. I mean, come on. If they most people listening to this have already seen it. Most people in the world have seen at least the conjuring or the masterpiece that is the conjuring too. But if they don't know, if they're unaware, we are going to get into this nitty gritty deep spoilers, motherfucker. Just tell them what this movie is all about. Well, the conjuring, the devil made me do it is the third in the, conjuring trilogy conjuring series although it is the like ninth or tenth or something right and the overall franchise there there have been spin-offs many spin-offs um and this is essentially another from the case files the real case files the true story of ed and lorraine warren of course real life paranormal investigators to mark the first time in u.s history that a murder suspect would claim demonic possession as a defense so that's about the size of it, gents. Yeah, well, let's just jump right in. There's no getting around this, baby. Yeah, open that can. Let's get wild, motherfucker. Gerald, you're our guest today. So initial thoughts, I'm going to pass to you. You know why I'm doing this to you? Not just because you're the guest, because I need to unload this heavy weight that's yeah, on my shoulders yeah. and pass it on to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Please, please, please. Yeah, I hear that, man. Uh, I mean... My initial reaction is pretty obvious, but what's missing here? It's James Wan, right, guys? I mean, the first two movies, James Wan created borderline horror masterpieces. I think the sequel possibly even rivals the original, maybe surpasses it. So you are climbing that hill, and it's getting better and better and better, and then The Conjuring fucking three rolls in. (laughs) The devil made me do it. It's just a disappointment, guys, is, is what my kind of wrap up of this film is it was just extremely disappointing because of what I had kind of become used to in this series and the first two in the conjuring film specifically. 
and like I said, James Wan's direction and I for those movies. But you know, the premise should be really good. I mean, it, it you know, I love stuff that's based on a true story. Typically, I'm a sucker for that. I know we'll be talking about something else a little bit later tonight that falls in that category. And you know, it's very interesting, right? Because it's like this guy said, you know, what I was possessed by a demon, which is why I did this. And if you believe in that type of religious imagery and exorcisms and that kind of thing, then that's a really interesting story. And I can imagine, I don't remember it, but I could imagine if I was old enough to be into the news back then and hearing that it would be a very interesting story. So it should play for a really good baseline for a horror film. You know, I'm going to throw it over to you guys. I don't want to take up the whole show, but I mean, it was just a very disappointing. I didn't, I didn't loathe it. Like I know it sounds like perhaps Justin did, um, but it was extremely disappointing for me. I'm still going to bite my tongue. I'm going to let this build until I'm red in the <laughs> face. Okay. I want to explode in more ways than one all over our audience. <laughs> Loy sauce. You and I still haven't talked about it. My quick story before you get into your thoughts are that I've, I've very rarely walked out of a movie. Like even for like five minutes other than going to the bathroom, which those of you that know me or listen to the show know that I piss a lot during a movie, but I never intentionally walk out of the movie unless it's an emergency or I need to piss. Loisos yelled at me because he was working the night I went to go see this in Alamo Draft House, And he told me, get back in that theater right now. But I have not talked to him about what he thinks about it. So he and, my, he and I both consider James Wan our Lord and Savior. That's right. And so I'm very excited. I need to hear the sauce, who is boss, get <laughs> lost on The Conjuring 3, baby. Well, I first saw the first Conjuring in a packed theater, and the audience was so terrified by this movie that it was positively electric. You could feel the audience collectively jump at exactly the right time they were meant to, and some even let out audible shrieks. And it's still, for me, one of the most memorable theatrical experiences for a horror film that I can recall in my lifetime. Another unforgettable night occurred when Justin and I had a private midnight showing for The Conjuring 2 in Reston Town Center's BTX Theater, and together we shared the joy of watching what I would go on to consider one of my favorite horror films of all time, The Conjuring 2. Yes, yes. The almighty and all-knowing James Wan truly slapped with The Conjuring 2. I mean, he took the series to new heights. He provided us with a lot of uh, now iconic imagery and, and thrills and chills as well. So expectations were high for The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, James Wan, of course, handed directing duties to Michael Chavez, who previously helmed The Curse of La Llorona, which I never finished due to circumstances beyond my control. But Justin, you seem to enjoy The Curse of La Llorona, right? You know, I thought it was actually fantastic and a mm. great debut for Chavez as a horror film director. I think it had great genuine scares fantastic atmosphere i was actually very surprised strangely I, I remember them marketing the film as part of the conjuring universe but while doing press for this film he's now claiming it's not officially part of it so yeah, i think that adding that a little bit adding that logo you know the conjuring logo was on the posters correct me if i'm wrong you work at a movie theater so but now yeah they were and and the film had very tenuous connections to to the annabelle series because it's the same guy who played the priest in both movies or whatever but so anyway um i'm really sorry to say that my expectations for the conjuring the devil made me do it uh, were not met 
um, the audience was dead silent throughout my screening and a feeling, a feeling of general boredom and restlessness pervaded the air (laughs) as it began to sink in that we were all watching a considerable step down for the franchise. I don't think the film's horrible. It doesn't quite reach the, the mind numbing, uh, audience insulting depths of such series lows as Annabelle or Annabelle comes home. Uh, but it is surprisingly mediocre considering the pedigree. You were just waiting. You were just waiting for me to cut in there. Cause you know, you know that I disagree with part of that statement there. Not a single scare touched me. Never did I tremble one time. <laughs> I never moved one inch off of my seat from anything presented to me in the film. I think the conjuring the devil made me do it is an insulting piece of trash that needs to be burned in the dumpster for the remaining of eternity. It fucking (laughs) sucked. It was terrible. I hated this fucking movie. Wow. I think anyone giving this movie credit needs to go back and rewatch all of the series. Listen, I've not been a fan of a lot of the spinoffs of, come to terms with the fact that the first Annabelle movie is probably better than this. And that's a terrible movie itself. Oh, come on. Yes. <laughs> yes. At least that movie had the cool basement scene with the devil thing, whatever with the horns. That's beautiful atmosphere. I know the whole rest of the movie sucked, but it gave me something yeah. to latch onto and sink my teeth into. Dude, we have our series main players, Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson in this. And they literally look like they're just waiting for the paycheck to slide in from the side of the screen. You think so? I would say hand. that for Patrick Wilson. I don't know if I would say that so much for Vera Farmiga. I thought she, she still looks held like, her own. She, okay, well, we're going to get into the movie itself. But the whole movie opens with them as their respective characters. Pretty strong. As the film moves on and dreadfully chugs along. You can just tell they're bored with the material too. And it's obvious. I mean, like, listen, we've seen plenty of franchises start off with two banger movies and then they give the third to somebody else or, you know, studio interferes. It's about to happen with the quiet place. One way or the other. Well, that's a spinoff. So we'll see. That's not a direct thing. So uh, we may still be safe with that. But I mean, with this, you expect that pedigree as Loisos very well put it, I mean, you expect a, a genuine feeling of suspense, of terror, of precision scares, as I call them. James Wan has a playbook. He knows exactly what to do and when. The timing is always perfect. This movie does, doesn't even attempt it in, in any way. I mean, like, literally things happen out of nowhere. A guard in a prison is just walking down the hall and we're supposed to be scared by that. They might as well have had a black cat jump out of a fucking trash can, you know, right into the screen as a scare. I mean, the movie is subpar, mediocre at best. And I wouldn't be this angry, guys. I wouldn't be this angry if this was just another Annabelle or The Nun, which in itself was also a terrible disappointment and a giant piece of trash. But I mean, at least that movie, again, had atmosphere had cool sets to look at and stuff. It had the, you know, hammer influence to it a little bit. This just had nothing for me. It takes place in eighties, 1981. I believe there's nothing about the eighties of this movie no. at all. It doesn't properly represent the time frame whatsoever. So aside stop, from some needle drops, but the, Oh, whatever. They, that's they, bare minimum oh stuff. God. I mean, you know, 
I'll, I'll stop ranting for a few moments and let one of you speak. But for me, the movie opens with some promise, but within the first three minutes, it immediately goes down the tubes. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm borrowing a little bit from both of you guys. I agree with pretty much everything that both of you have said thus far. You know, it's tough. Like, you know, we were joking about me being the horror guy earlier. Obviously I love this genre, right? So it's tough when, a movie comes along, a horror movie that I'm interested in, that I want to see, let alone when it's a continuation of a series that I love. And you have these quote unquote scares that you see playing out in front of you on screen. And you know that the intention is that they are, you know, frightful scenes or intended to be, and you're rolling your eyes. And that's what happened to me with this movie. Now I watched this on HBO max. I didn't see it in the theater. I wish I could have done that, but it just didn't my life. It didn't happen. Are for you me. sure that you wish you could have done that? Cause actually if I were you, I'd be thankful uh, that I didn't yeah. have to spend money to see it in the theater. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I saw it at home and I'm just rolling my eyes at some of these scenes with these, you know, demonic images appearing behind characters and like popping out of the shadows. And it's like super cliche and, it just, I just didn't connect with it. It wasn't scary to me at all. Now, a little story I'll tell you guys, which you've actually may have heard me tell on my show before, but the first Conjuring, I also didn't see in the theater. I saw it at home uh, much later after its release. I didn't see it. Me I didn't too. see it initially. Yeah. And my wife and I watched it upstairs in our bedroom. We have a two-story house. And it was on HBO, actually, ironically. And this is probably, I don't know, four or five years ago, the first time I saw it. And... We watched it upstairs in our bedroom in the dark and we left all of our shit on downstairs. Like, you know, we had lights on down here. We didn't set our alarm, which is downstairs. And neither one of us would go downstairs to turn anything off. We were just like, nope, I'm not fucking going downstairs. You go downstairs. And it was just like a back and forth to who was going to go turn the lights off downstairs that night. That's how much that movie affected her and I. It was just such a genuinely scary experience, you know? And this movie's not even remotely in the same ballpark. It's not even the same sport as the first two movies. It's just a giant disappointment. And I, I just I think it. we got to start with the opening of the movie, Lois Austin. I don't know if you were going to go there or not. But the movie opens with a really cool spooky shot of a house. <laughs> and an obvious homage to The Exorcist as the priest walks towards the house of the briefcase. And I'm like, okay, you might have me here. And we're dealing with the exorcism of an eight-year-old boy, David Glatzel, who I thought was a fine character in the movie. We'll get into characters as much as we go through this review. But the opening scares lack any kind of tension, suspense, any kind of fright. Just a bunch of loud noises with zero buildup. And the only remotely creepy thing about anything that's happening is when David is hiding in the shower... You see a demon hand grasp the shower curtain, which I was like, ooh. Like, normally in that that time, if Lois House was next to me, I'd put my hand on his shoulder and go, ooh, you know, like, like, a, like a kid in a candy store rubbing his hands together. And then the scene slowly turns into a laughable fucking comedy, a satire, <laughs> when the shower curtain <laughs> kind of, like, shakes around and then the shower head sprays blood on him. And then it goes into this really strange slow motion shot of the kids screaming with blood pouring on him. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I'm like the whole thing begins to play out like a satire in every single possession movie we've ever seen done before. Yeah. Every single generic element, the demon voice coming out of the kid's mouth, him levitating. I was being flung around the room. 
when the kid was roaring like a lion, I swear to God, I was fucking roaring, dude. I was mm-hmm. on the floor laughing. I could not contain myself. I'm I'm not supposed to be laughing at that. It was beyond ridiculous, dude. I'm sorry, Loisoff. It was terrible. Yeah, you're. That's perfectly fine that you feel that way. I'm. I disagree a little bit. I think the movie itself does have a couple decent jolts. Um, and there are two pretty intense exorcism sequences, the beginning included. That, of course, while not as scary as anything in The Exorcist or even The Exorcist Three or you know, the last exorcism, they do manage to bring a little bit of a chill up the spine. I mean, I was on board with the movie from the opening scene. It just kind of all goes downhill from there. I was going to touch on Gerald's point about why this movie just feels so boring in comparison to the others. It's because think of the indelible imagery and the characters and the creatures that the series has introduced up to this point. You know, you've got Annabelle, you've got Bathsheba from the first movie, you've got the crooked man, the nun, from The Conjuring 2, Bill Wilkins, La Llorona. Um, even Annabelle Comes Home, which was an immense bore, had a, a, a roster of interesting monsters and ghosts and all sorts of imagery that you remember, uh, even though the movie did nothing with them. Uh, here we have Lady. and Scary Lady peering through a window. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so that's what's missing from this movie, other than you know, actual genuine scares and James Wan and actually a lot's missing from this movie. But really what we're missing is the, just that instantly iconic imagery that we got that Wan is so good at building. Mm -hmm. What I appreciate about the movie is the attempt to change the formula because this one is more of a mystery. Whereas the first two were decidedly, you know, poltergeist esque haunted house, things go bump in the night movies. But I think the film would have been more interesting, actually, as like kind of like a courtroom drama mm. in the vein of The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Excellent movie by Scott Derrickson, in which the question of whether or not demonic possession could have any standing as a legal defense is in play. And unfortunately, that's pushed to the periphery. And instead, we essentially get the most boring episode of Scooby-Doo ever made. <laughs> this plot sends the Warrens on a wild goose chase to, first of all, search the house where the possession took place then meet with a former priest and then investigate the murder of a young lesbian couple and then do something at a morgue and then meet with the priest again and then search underground tunnels for this altar. And it's like, for what? After a while, you forget about Arnie Johnson, who's possessed, you know, who was seemingly possessed by the devil. Which we never gave a shit about in the first place because there was no development given or anything, any kind of impact of his character. Here's here's the thing. You you forget instantly about what's at stake because of all this bullshit, very little of which is interesting or scary, hijacks the story. And I want to posit this question to you all. Do you think this movie would have been better had Arnie Johnson been the protagonist and the Warrens were supporting characters? Well... Uh, maybe I think really fucking anything would have been better, (laughs) but what I was going to say, which kind of lends to your point a little bit is if this wasn't, you know, the conjuring colon, the devil made me do it. Right. And this was just a movie exploring. It was a biopic based on Arnie Johnson and that story. That would have been a fascinating movie. I feel like, or it could, it could be, but when they try to mix that with a conjuring film, we get what we got, right? Which is not very good, which I think is what we're all three, all three of us are saying. A mixed saying. bag, yeah, basically. Yeah, I, you know, Arnie Johnson, That it, to Lloyd's point as well, like the beginning of this movie kind of had me intrigued, right? Because I'd seen the trailer, I knew it was based on a true story, I'd seen him, you know, walking up with his bloody hands or whatever, and the cop, you know, 
So it's a very intriguing story, especially since it was based on real life. But when you mix it with, as Lloyd put it, this like really elaborate Scooby-Doo episode, it just doesn't work. And even in my letterbox review, which was only a few sentences, because I didn't want to spend a lot of time on this, I said, you know, whose idea was it to turn The Conjuring into an episode of Law and Order? I mean, it, it's just a procedural, like, I don't know. It's a weird mystery, kind of like Columbo trying to solve a crime. I don't know. It was no, really I, strange. I understand them trying. I understand them trying to mix it up. Juan's out of the director's seat, so maybe that was their kind of push forward to go, hey, you know, try something different, bring some new blood in here. You know, it's time to move, shake the up the franchise, something yeah. different, because obviously we've seen so many traditional haunted house flicks out of this franchise at this point i get it and i appreciate that move forward because what else are you gonna do bring some demons in the mix add some mystery not bad if the director knows how to handle that kind of movie Mm -hmm. also back to both of y'all's point about the character of arnie i wish i gave a fuck about him i don't and it also would have helped if rory o'connor who portrays him gave any kind of performance he's bland He's more than forgettable in the movie. And it's not all his fault, though, because they don't really give him much to do. After like the first 15 minutes of the movie, he's stuck in prison, just sitting there in darkness or with some minor scares happening to him or getting visited by other characters. I didn't really feel anything for his character. I mean, there's like a, a two second spot in the movie they give for us to actually feel anything for him when he decides to take the demon out of the little boy. I mean, you know, or, and when he's tucking the little kid into bed, you know, like whatever. I get it. This movie is a slim two hours or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, like the, I wanted, I would have rather had more of that in this character than just the Warrens looking bored as fuck because these people don't want to be in these movies anymore. Well, I mean, that's what I got out of this. It's just them running in the woods and fooling around and doing nonsense, jumping through fucking hoops just because, Hey, these are the characters that everyone knows from the other movies. It made no sense to me. Right. I didn't even think they needed to be in the movie half the amount of time that they were. Well, you're right, though. I mean, if we had connected to Arnie or, you know, even the little boy a little bit more, perhaps, then maybe this would have all mattered to the viewers a little bit more. But it just doesn't because they don't spend the time. I don't know if that's a screenplay. You know, I don't want to blame it all on Chavez or whatever. But I, it, you're right. You're 100% right. I just... It, and that's what I go back to my point is that we should care about Arnie because it is a very interesting real life story. And, you know, uh, it's supposed to have stakes. It sets out having stakes. We're supposed to care about this kid. Right. And, you, and it just wasn't written well you know, enough for us to do that. Yeah. yeah. Not at all. And speaking of stakes, they set up that Ed Warren has a heart attack during the opening possession sequence or exorcism sequence. We see him keel over of a heart attack. This should raise the stakes because they highlight very early on in the film the seriousness of his condition. He could literally drop dead in any moment. Yeah, and he's but in they, a wheelchair. Yeah. But they choose not to have that pay off at all because it doesn't come into play for the rest of the movie. And I don't understand what that was all about. They have a moment at the end where he says, I forgot my pills, and Lorraine happened to have a pill with her, I guess, in case there was an emergency. You know, it would have been great actually having an emergency because then we would, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're invested in the Warrens and we don't want to see them and anything bad happen to them. Um, so bring that into the mix. But they chose not to do that. Very odd yeah. choice. <laughs> yeah. Lack of fucking talent behind this thing. I feel like Juan should have never left the helm or if he was going to, 
he maybe should have questioned his confidence in Chavez as a director. I mean, I understand why he thought he was a good choice for this because La La Roja was actually very impressive. I mean, a lot of people shit on it and said it was generic and it didn't really get much traction in the horror community or by critics or anything. But uh, from my perspective, I thought it was extremely solid. I thought performances were good. Um, none of anything that he employed in that movie was shown here in my opinion. I agree with I mean, that. I agree. They're, they look sure completely the cinematography different. looks good, you know, in some parts. Yeah, but- it's, a, it's a good looking movie. It's well lit. It's well shot. Um, except for the ending when it just devolves into parade of loud bangs and flashing strobe lights and to such a degree that it starts to become sensory overload. I got a headache at the end of this movie, very similar to the ending of it chapter two, where it's like, well, if we make it louder, it's going to be scarier. Let's just throw everything at the fucking screen. That's going to make people freak out. Right. 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 Instead of good, just classic, good old filmmaking, you know, that thing. (laughs) Remember that. I'm actually, you know, I'm sitting here and I don't feel as angry as I should, but well, it's because you have me here and I okay. love everything. You know, I have to find well, you, the good in everything. everything you, know? you bring everything down a little bit. Yeah, you, well, there's, there's no hating anything to the level of wanting to torch it to death with Gerald. Not really, right? not really. I did want to ask you guys for redeeming qualities with this movie. I haven't really heard any yet. Well, like I said, I think there are a couple of jolts that work. Um, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are still, I think they're still giving the roles their all, even though they didn't have anything to practically do in this movie. I think I like seeing them in these roles. Their relationship has been very solid as depicted in the movies. They just really didn't do anything with it in this one, unfortunately. Um, I love seeing John Noble pop up as Father Kastner in the film. Really chilling performance. He was really my favorite part of the movie. I liked that this was more violent than your average Conjuring universe offering, which are usually very tame. They are rated, but there's not any killings or anything that happened in the movie. This had some some brutal stabbings. It had a throat slash. And I never complain about more violence in my movies. Um, it, it was a complaint for me that other entries of the Conjuring film had menace like it had the ghosts and the the creatures that popped out but they didn't really do anything they just always kind of scared the characters and then vanished but this was allowed to be a little bit more violent and i liked that about it yeah i mean to your point and and just to kind of reflect on that a little bit they didn't do those things because the conjuring movies from the beginning were always just haunted house flicks just like the classic dark rides you would go to at the carnival you go in the dark you hear boo, you get scared and just classic tension and suspense. Adding those elements in is all fine and dandy. If you're able to employ those with precision to actually affect your audience. And here I didn't feel any of that at all. Cool. You stabbed the dude in the leg. Sure. You stabbed the guy to death, but if it's R and you're going to go there, fucking go there, you know, go for the gusto, man. Don't be tame when you're going to, Oh, we're going to show it in a couple seconds. But, um, I remember when we went to see the, um, Annabelle creation. It was rated R for some reason. I remember turning to you and being like, this is a G rated film. (laughs) (laughs) You know, on that note, I don't have a single positive thing to say about this movie, even though I'm not going to rate it like a zero out of 10 in the end. It insulted me. And I feel like that this franchise deserves so, so much more than what we received. And I'm not being that entitled fanboy that expects so much out of every single movie. I've sat through a lot of shitty movies in the Conjuring universe to get to this. And if it's going to be the third film, I mean, who knows? Maybe that's why they put 
the tagline, the devil made me do it on this movie instead of the conjuring three, the devil made me do it to like, you know, relieve some of that pressure. But at the same time, no, man, I, I, I didn't think anything in this movie was presented. Well, I think everything about the movie looked like an amateur level, low level film. The level of precision was not there. The direction was mediocre. And I disagree with you completely that Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson were great in this movie. Like I said earlier, it opens and it feels like they care that they're there. Um, but as the film is, gets more and more painful and becomes apparent that it's not going to be good. It does it get worse like, as it goes on. It seems yeah. like yeah. they're phoning it in. I mean, like what you see her just like constantly like, wandering around in these places i'm like look how fucking bored she looks i mean i know she's getting paid big money for these movies i know this is their franchise and they're proud to be a part of it but dude literally they didn't even need to be in this movie as much as they were and i know it's following the true story and i get where they were coming from and all that but to me like i just wanted to see more from them and yes you are correct lois austin saying the relationship is the centerpiece of this series and i think they still have a good chemistry together but also, like you said, agreeing with this, they didn't give them much to do other than to look bored and be doing silly jumping through hoops, Scooby-Doo nonsense the entire movie. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I didn't like any of the additional characters. I thought uh, Sarah Kath- Catherine Hook as Debbie Glatzel, Arnie's girlfriend, was unbearably fucking bad. I felt terrible yeah. for her. She was barely passable. I think some acting lessons are in order uh, before she becomes any more of an actor in Hollywood, any more movies or TV roles or whatever. Anytime the camera was on her, she looked like she was looking for her marks or waiting for someone to read her, her lines literally that fucking bad. And that's not the level of quality we expect from the conjuring movies. I know that honestly, man, I feel like the three of us here together, we're kind of the minority. I know that this series, the first one gets a lot of love. Um, A lot of people seem to mix on the second one and, a lot of horror fans go out and see all of these, but I rarely hear people proclaim, you know, near masterpiece level or in Loisos in my case, masterpiece level, especially for the second film coming out of our mouths regarding this series. But dude, I don't see a lot of people liking this movie. And for good reason, it sucks. It's terrible. It's fucking shit. Yeah. It, you know, those first two movies, right? I mean, we already talked about James Wan. Obviously, he's not here for this one in the director's chair, so that's obvious. But what's tough, too, is that you're following those films, and they really are masterworks in in horror cinema, I feel like. So that's a tough act to follow to begin with, and then you take away that legendary horror director, then here we are, and we're talking about this, whatever the hell you want to call this. If you want to call it a movie, go ahead. But one thing I just wanted to say is that you know, I'm, I'm a big fan, as Justin knows, of like, you know, minimalistic horror, like really just like creepy, ominous, like atmospheric, just frightening imagery, frightening settings. And this movie kind of traded all of that in for like Lois Hoss mentioned earlier, these loud, just loud sound effects. And like the score is really kind of over the top, in my opinion. Bigger equals better. Yeah, and it kind of went with that. That For some reason, it went with that equation, and I'm not sure why they did that, if this is supposed to be a quote-unquote conjuring movie. 
because one of these is not like the other, right? And it's this one. It's very different than the two that came before it or even some of the spinoffs that came before it. So I was asking you guys about redeeming qualities and you know me, I'm always going to find something to say. I think God damn you, I Gerald. think Vera Farmiga did do a good job in this movie. I love her. I think she is dedicated to this role. Now, with that being said, I can't say the same for her male counterpart in this movie. He did seem a little bored Ooh, and he did kind of seem, okay, there you go. You know, he did kind of seem like he just wasn't into it, you know, like, especially like he was in the first two movies. And because of that, I just wasn't able to feel, you know, scared for them as a couple because I wasn't buying the performance or at least half of the, of the, performance. you know, maybe, maybe he was so fucking just tired and exhausted because he's low on calories getting ripped for his yeah. Aquaman two. <laughs> hey, maybe. maybe he's just training so hard to get back in shape and he's so low on calories to get his abs popping out. He's like, man, I can't fucking do this. Lois, <laughs> well, one thing I don't want to fail to, cause uh, Justin glossed over it earlier. What did you guys think of that? Okay. Before I ask you though, another redeeming quality for me, I thought maybe the only effect that I really liked in the movie, like horror imagery effect was when the little boy was being brought downstairs and the claw marks were showing up on the wall. Yeah. Um, kind of like away from where he actually was. So obviously the, you know, iteration there is that it was the demon making the marks as he was being brought downstairs. I like that. That was something somewhat new, um, that, that we haven't really seen, but what I wanted to ask you guys is so, so I don't forget to ask you is what did you two think of that obvious exorcist um, homage in the beginning. I mean, I think it was put in there for hardcore horror fans to go, Oh yeah. It's just a, a subtle, not even, not even not hardcore so horror mind. fans. It's like general audiences would be able to know. It's basically the poster for the exorcist, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it was a clever nod. I think, um, I think it was the right way to start off the movie because right away, you know, okay, this is going to be an exorcism movie. Yeah. I just don't know um, why it upset me so much. That's why I wanted to ask you guys. Cause when I saw well, it I mean, for listen, the first time, I was kind of like, what the fuck is this? Are we really doing this? I don't know. I just, but I feel like maybe I overreacted. So that's why I'm asking. Well, I mean, it's not the only homage in the movie. There's plenty, but the one that, you know, Chavez has been very open about and has admitted to is the waterbed scene homaging a nightmare on Elm street yeah, with, true. you know, Freddie coming through the wall at Nancy in this one. Uh, it's through the waterbed and dude, well, there's even again, a waterbed kill in a nightmare on Elm street four. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. But this is even worse because of the fact that there was so much potential for this to be like that one breakout fucking scene. When I saw the trailer, I was like, Oh my God, they're going with waterbeds, which most people alive right now, all you millennials, you don't know that they exist and they did. I had one and I've slept on them. Mm -hmm. I've slept on them and they're fucking terrifying because the whole time you're sleeping on it, you're like, is this thing going to pop? Am I going to fucking drown? Mm -hmm. And it starts out with promise, but again, ends up lacking any meat on its bones. The kid, he feels the thing underneath him and it's a cool image of it in, in the bed. Right. But you but saw then, it in like, the trailer, explodes, which sucks. It, the hand comes yeah. out and then the kid shrieks like a little girl for two minutes. And you're like, okay, shut the fuck up, please. You know, how impactful. And, and then it's, then it's done. How impactful would done. that have been though, Justin, if we hadn't seen that in the trailer, like if we hadn't seen her face in the bed or whatever. And, and that's not, that's not, that's not necessarily the film's fault either. I know that the, yeah, the sure. studio probably saw what this movie was in front of them. Like, well, we got to put something to get people to go and And rightly so not to get off, you know, subject or anything. The movie's doing gangbusters at the box office. And I am, regardless of my feelings on the movie itself, happy about that. Two horror movies, guys, within two weeks of each other, 
doing gangbusters, bringing movie theaters back to the forefront. This is killing it. And it actually beat A Quiet Place Part 2 at the box office this last weekend. And that makes me happy. Extremely happy. That means horror is alive and well, and people are going out to enjoy themselves. They want to be scared. They want to be entertained. And as much as this movie didn't do any of those things for me, I'm sure there's some people out there, some novice people, some GA people that probably enjoyed yeah, this. Yeah, I think so, I think much like you know an action blockbuster, horror is all, always kind of you know craves to be seen on the big screen. So I think it's great too. To your point, I think it's poetic in a way that horror is kind of bringing people back. You know. Yeah, I mean, we've all been sitting in our apartments or houses or wherever for so long, scared of what could possibly kill us that's in the air. And we're just like, fuck it, let's go back and get scared some more. And it's always been that thing. It's part of human nature. We want to be scared. It's fun. We enjoy it. Um, I'll go on forever about this. But boy, sauce, is there anything else you want to say about this movie before we get to our final, final thoughts and our ratings on this motherfucker? Uh, no, not particularly. I mean, you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the supporting characters characters that i forgot were in this like uh shannon cook who plays drew he was in the other two conjuring movies and he shows up in this and i'm like who are you (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) and and same and same with the warren's daughter judy she's a pretty major player in the other two movies and she's literally just in one or two scenes and she's hospital or whatever yeah she's just there and i'm like oh yeah you're in this it felt so weird to have a movie in which you have these characters from the other two who show up just it's so arbitrary. Um, just grab my $10,000 paycheck for the weekend, baby. Exactly. So I, I don't know. I just feel like this movie would have been better served if it had been a movie about Arnie Johnson. He were, he were the protagonist and there was more of a relationship between him and Debbie, his girlfriend or something, something to give it a little bit more, uh, a little bit more heart and then have the Warrens come in as supporting characters as um, defense to his case or, or whatever. Instead, again, the movie is just a wild goose chase. So um, I think the movie's a miss. The dread-inducing atmosphere, the well-executed scares, even that heart-tugging emotion that the other films had uh, are, are either in short supply or entire entirely missing in this installment. Um, I think the film's laurels rest entirely on Wilson and Farmiga. I still think they're trying their best to make this material work, but it just doesn't. And unfortunately, this deflates a lot of my excitement for for future installments of The Conjuring Universe, which is a real shame, considering how much I love the first two. Let's just get your rating, and then we'll throw it around the circle here. I'm going to give The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, a a 5 out of 10. I'll just write this one off as the one James Wan didn't direct, and I'll be looking forward to his upcoming horror movie, Malignant, instead, which I know nothing about, but he's directing it, so it must be good. I'm hearing very good things about it, so very, very excited about that. By the way, I'd like to speak to someone at Warner Brothers about what's going on over there, because most of their recent releases have been of really questionable quality. We've got Scoob, Tenet, The Witches, Wonder Woman 1984, the little things. Tom, and, Tom and Jerry, The Little Things. If it wasn't for Judas and the Black Messiah and Godzilla vs. Kong, I'd just recommend... And, and hold on, and hold on, the movie that you gave a 10 out of 10 to that we all never expected would happen, they also released Justice League The Snyder Cut, so... Very fair. So if it wasn't for Justice League Snyder Cut... Um, there you go. I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> on every episode he's going to try to get you to say Snyder Cut 
Judas and the Black Messiah and Godzilla vs. Kong, I just recommend setting the entire studio on fire. Mm. Hopefully this week's In the Heights will turn things around for them because good lord. Yeah, yeah. Well, it looks beautiful. It looks brilliant. So I sure as hell hope so. And I'm going to pass it over to you, our guest, Gerald, for your... Remember, we do one out of ten on this show. Yeah. Your final, final thoughts and your rating on this, bitch. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I mean, I think we all eloquently, uh, you know, <laughs> relate our, like, loathing of this movie overall. I mean, coming off of the heels of Conjuring 1 and 2 and even some of the spinoffs, which are fun in their own way, this one... It, it's not, it's not even that I'm calling it a bad movie guys. It's just so boring. And so like unnecessary, like what the fuck, why does this exist? You know what I mean? I don't know if it's trying to be, you know, I was joking about an episode of law and order earlier, but I don't know if it's trying to be that or like, you know, this story about Arnie or is it trying to be a conjuring film? You know, Loy had a great point about making this a story about Arnie with, them kind of as like supporting characters in the background, which may have been cooler in a way. I just feel like that it has the conjuring title on it makes it almost worse than it would be if it was just called, you know, the devil made me do it or something. So you guys nailed it. I mean, it just fell super flat for me. The writing is horrible. The character development is literally non-existent. Even the characters that we already were connected to from previous films, they just don't measure up to what we're used to as far as their relationship with each other in this movie. So there's nothing really to connect to there either. No iconic imagery is introduced, which I know sounds weird to say, but that has happened with the first two movies. They're just images that stay with horror fans forever. And I'm literally not going to remember anything about this movie. So, you know, I didn't hate it. There's a couple of little things I take away from it. I mentioned some of the stupid effects that I enjoyed and just little things here and there that I liked as I was watching it. But overall, you know, I, I keep coming back to the word disappointment. But I'm in lockstep with Floyd Sauce. I had already planned on giving this one a 5 out of 10. Well, then, 5 out of 10 for the both of you. And for me, you know, I just realized two things. And I apologize for this, Gerald, because I didn't mention them on air. But there are two redeeming factors about this movie. And I apologize to our audience for waiting until the last minute to tell you all what I thought. But, okay, it plays an Elvis song, Suspicious Minds. Mm -hmm. So there's a one onto my rating just for the fact that it includes an Elvis song. And you know, voice sauce, I'm not sure if you noticed it, but how great was it seeing an Alamo draft house make an appearance in the film? Did you notice it? Well, there's a theater called the Alamo. I it's Alamo draft house. <laughs> it's Alamo draft house. Come on. It, it, it was a nice nod. I, everyone in the theater kind of chuckled a little bit because it's like, Hey, they're going to see a movie at the Alamo. There it is. Good enough for me. I already stated my case on this thing. I just pray. And Chavez, seriously, he showed great promise uh, with Curse of La Llorona, And I really hope for his benefit and the benefit of filmmaking in general that he learns from this, even though it made a lot of money. Um, and it push forward. I mean, I think any filmmaker learns from every movie they make, their mistakes, what they did right. And... I think there's some promise in his filmmaking. I'm not going to say he's a terrible director or anything like that, even though what I saw here was not good, not great, not even remotely passable. But for me, yep, it's going to be a three out of 10 uh, just for those elements. And, you know, like I said, the movie starts off with a cool scene, uh, just goes downhill within like the first five minutes. And the score fucking terrible. (laughs) 
Not a single memorable sound in that entire score. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely nothing. Joseph Bashar's worst out of the ones he's composed. Yeah, was not a fan at all. But there it is, ladies and gentlemen. That is our review for The Conjuring. The devil made me see the shit and I wanted to blow my fucking brains out. <laughs> oh, God damn it. But we hope you enjoyed the review. Uh, if you watch this movie and you enjoyed it, please. Please, literally, I'm like on my knees right now in front of this microphone begging you like I'm about to give y'all head. Tell me why you liked this shit so I could kind of comprehend and understand. But until until next time, uh, Gerald, we started this whole mini-sode expecting everyone that listens to know who you are. But if they don't know who you are, please tell them who you are, what you do, and where they can find your ass. Yeah, man. Uh, well, thanks to both of you for having me on for this. I mean, I know the movie wasn't great, but it was a great conversation, and it's great to get together with you guys whenever I can, and I really do. Always fun. I really do appreciate it. Uh, you know, I'm just, when I'm guesting on shows, I'm just trying to um, spread the love for my YouTube channel, so I'm just kind of telling people about that. I do have a podcast that's not going anywhere. I do a top five countdown show. You guys have both been on, and I just have a guest host every week, and we do a top five. But recently, I've been doing movie reviews. I've been doing like reaction videos, predictions for award shows, that kind of stuff, and different video edits over on my YouTube channel. It's just youtube.com slash two peas on a podcast, and you could subscribe over there. And I'm also going to be eventually, actually starting later this month, each guest I have on, we record the podcast episode. There's going to be like a video version of that recording on my YouTube channel as well, so you can like you know, watch me and my guests interacting with each other on video as well. So hopefully everybody wants to look me up over there and subscribe, but that's, that's where you can find me, man. Awesome. And Loisos, they're listening to us, but if they're unaware of where they can find us on the socials, you know, where all those millennials find out about the cool kids, tell them where they can find us. You can find us at Epic Film Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Support us on Patreon. We are actually going to record a special episode just for patrons with Gerald, a review of 2010's The Runaways, exclusively for patrons. So if you want exclusive episodes, uh, updates on the state of the show, outtakes, deleted material, etc. Feel free to join us over on Patreon. We are patreon.com slash epicfilmguys. If you support us, we will literally love you forever. Yes, that's correct. And listen, if you like what you're hearing, if you hate it, if you just want to come on and be like, listen, you guys suck. You're totally wrong about this movie. We want to hear it. So head over to iTunes and please, please, please give us a review. I literally don't give a shit if it's a one star review or five star review. As long as you're putting in that 10 seconds that it takes for you to do it, it shows you're putting effort in and that you're listening and that you actually mean to do it. So We appreciate that very much. And again, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the Epic Film Guys podcast. And until next time, we will see you. Gerald, take us home. At the movies. Oh, yeah.